Audio. Hey, so that's a new intro. Very nice. I'm uh, Kevin. I run a site called Svelte School, and I'm involved in the uh, Svelte Society organization. <laughs> I'm Sean. Uh, I work at Temporal as head of developer experience, and I guess I just work on general Svelte things. But also, I'm part of the Svelte organization. <laughs> Hi, I'm Anthony. I'm the co-founder of a booking and tourism platform called Bionk, and I am also a Svelte maintainer. Ooh, nice. So this <laughs> this uh, this episode is the first one where we have this this new intro, and it's very awkward for for us to to start this off properly because we we're used to doing it in a specific way. But today, yeah, it's weird. So. I forgot my intro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the upcoming Svelte Summit, of course, and the talks and what you can expect on Svelte Summit. So I guess we can kick it off with some some of the of the talks that we're going to see there maybe maybe uh, yeah. we should maybe before we talk about the, the talks i also wanted to shout out you know, i guess the the organizers who basically are just you know volunteers who stepped up to help uh, select and organize and invite talks and also the fact that uh you know a, a lot of good talks were submitted that we ultimately could not pick um maybe we should talk a little bit about the new format this year? Yeah, so so last last year we pre-recorded everything including the actual event itself. And uh that was easy in in some ways, but it's also a bit boring. You can't really interact with with the viewers as as the event goes on. So this year we're going to do do it a bit differently. So we have the talks th themselves are pre-recorded, but the actual event isn't. So we're going to have hosts that are going to talk between the between the talks and yeah we're gonna have some fun fun stuff planned as well like a quiz Ooh, exciting and this has been a few years a few few years it's been a few weekends of organization uh that we've yeah. gone into this so so yeah. hopefully we've got some good stuff yeah hopefully. yeah yeah the, the other thing i guess i wanted to emphasize is uh we, we're trying to make it shorter and and more lively in in, in a sense because the last time was something like eight hours of just straight videos and uh, ours was a lot tired. of fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so i think we, we aimed for something on the order of five hours and uh something like five ish full talks and 10 ish lightning talks i don't actually know the the final number and you know so that that's like 15 talks and we basically solicited submissions for both both categories uh, and we had a lot of submissions for all of them uh, i think like something like 65 66 some 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 something, something like, like that, that yeah. of of submissions so yeah i mean like it was, we had a really weird position of uh turning away some really good talks and also it was done mostly blind that we we did a pass to, to double check but we, we just judged everything based on title and description so you get you, we definitely got some interesting quality people and and uh, hopefully this this process i think it can can be improved but um, that's what we're trying to do uh yeah better every single time that we do something like this fall summit i was just gonna say it'd be interesting actually to talk about a little bit about how talks are picked this the way sessionized does it is very interesting i didn't know that's how it worked if you ever use Git bisect, it's a lot like that. You kind of get presented three talks and you pick sort of which would which you'd really be interested in, which you would be less interested in, and which sort of in the middle. And you rank them and you constantly do that over and over and over again until it sort yeah. of orders your 
what if you were you know if you were the only person in the audience watching this conference it would be your order of talks and your kind of picks and what you'd want to listen to and every organizer does the same thing and so it, it should provide a fairly good spread of you know different uh, useful information it should yeah. be like less duplicated sessions that sort of thing so i really quite like that actually and i think we we have like the number of organizers that and the varying degrees of backgrounds we have we're not we're not all developers per se or like super into no. specific things so no, we're quite we're quite different yeah and we all have different interests so, so it's nice it gives us a bit of a like a good spread of of different topics and bef before we actually picked the talks as well we sat down and uh made a list of things topics that that we we would find interesting and yeah, I, I think it worked well. And so we we had this, the you had this idea, Sean, of uh, doing uh, the talks that weren't we, we weren't able to fit into the actual event that we 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 offered them to do talks on the YouTube channel, and we yes. had a couple of uh, offers for for that as well. We're gonna yes. pick pick up more of those after the event because yeah, definitely right, so. right now it's a bit hectic <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it, it's always it's always weird because you know ultimately our goal is to try to grow community and not be some kind of gatekeeper yeah. at the same time we have to organize an event that hopefully isn't too long so the trade-off is youtube like we have infinite space on youtube we want to encourage as much as possible just pro cross promotion of Svelte content. So if you're interested in posting on the Svelte side of YouTube, uh, just reach out to me or Kevin or Anthony and, and um, let's figure it out. Yep. Yeah, I just right. want to let you know that I am actually nodding and concurring along here, but someone <laughs> decided to fly a helicopter outside my house, so I'm trying to keep myself on mute. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love hel helicopters. <laughs> All right, Pretty so noisy. Let's, let's get started with the, with the talks. Um, I think um, this generation Svelte, it's, it's like a textbook that will make the first language for Norwegian high schoolers a thing. So I, I guess they're talking about programming languages, right? Not languages in general. I think that's a pretty cool, uh, cool idea. It's going to be interesting to see like how how they how they're going to do this and why, as well as like, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's hard to know what what the actual uh, talk is going to be about. Sounds interesting. I mean, they had me at the Norwegian high schoolers bit, yeah. um, you know, teaching programming using Svelte uh, and writing it into, you know, I guess, a, I, I'm always interested in, I guess, unconventional, uh, well, you know, there's like international stories. This is a, there's an educational angle to this thing. To me, I was, I was very drawn to this. I, I think this is one of our, one of our very easy winners <laughs> early on in yeah, the process. Definitely. It's, it's a, it's a, just the, just the idea of using Svelte to teach programming is, it appeals to me. I think it's super easy to get started with. So I guess that's why always, they chose it as well. <laughs> yeah, I've always, I've always sort of maintained that Svelte is the closest to just writing JavaScript that, that I know of at least. And I think that's sort of testament to it being a great language to learn in because you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna learn some sort of obtuse API that you then have to work your way back from to figure out what that API was doing under the hood. Um, really all you're getting free from Svelte is a bit of wiring. And that, you know, there's, there's not, it doesn't actually do that much for you. It just takes away a lot of the labor involved in in sort of writing front end and, and UIs and UX. Cool. What's that? Yeah. Um, up next we have optimizing your Svelte community experience. It's a talk by one of the 
guys on the Svelte Discord. He's usually there. He's called Rain Life. And it's it's pretty much about like how to ask for help, what not to do and what to do, stuff like that on in the community, how you like how you optimize your getting answers to your questions pretty much. Yeah. And at the um, same time not being not being loud and irritating to people that are there answering questions. Yeah, definitely. It's like a meta talk. It is. Uh, I guess we should specify that uh, these two so far are lightning talks. So um, yeah. we, we really want to survey the, the wider range of concepts and ideas that people want to introduce. So yep. a, a good good talk to have for a community conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think this this talk is is, uh, is much needed. Well, needed, maybe not needed, but it's nice because it's like the Svelte is growing crazy, crazily fast these last few months. And there are a lot of new people coming in. And uh, yeah, so I think it's it's going to be nice to have this to to point people to if they if they, if they want to figure out how to get help more easily. Awesome. Should I go next? I guess uh, yeah. this one is uh, Svelte without the JavaScript. I think this is our, is this, sorry, I, I skipped one. Compile for accessibility with Svelte, right? Is that the one? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just going in like the, the default export sequence. I don't know if you have the same export that I do. Uh, it's, it's, uh, the, it's the same. Okay, so this one is by Anthony Legua. Um, I, I think that's how you pronounce it. I, I don't know. It's Frenchy. So he was, he was one of the co-organizers of uh, Swell Society France. And so it's very, very cool to see him uh, come give a talk and, and actually see his face. <laughs> um, and th we had a number of accessibility submissions, actually. So this was, I think this was our primary pick. I, I don't sure we have any others, but a lot of yeah. Svelte, Svelte people are uh, very interested in, in doing accessibility right. Uh, I think we uh, do need more work uh, to do uh, apart from just the, the linting experience. I know that Jeff Rich uh, is someone I talked to who is interested in submitting a talk uh, separately. He he didn't get his talk submitted this time, but we'll see him on YouTube. And he's he's got some accessibility with Svelte experience uh, implementing Svelte at uh, Alaska Air, where where he works. So that so just a lot of a lot of stuff going on. So yeah, he, uh, so I, I think this talk is says he's about. Um, figuring out the benefits and the limits, limitations of Svelte's uh, accessibility checks. So, uh, good coverage. Yep, that's nice. Um, and then we have Svelte without the JavaScript. That's weird. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we'll see. It's by. Uh, it's a talk by Fred Scott. I think it's pronounced. It's, uh, I say shot. I guess I, I don't know. We can yeah, ask I think, him. I think I say shot too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess we'll, sure. I guess we'll see at the talk what he what he says. Well, right. So, so, so he's the founder of uh, Skypack and uh, Snowpack. yeah, Snow, Snowpack. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Um, and it's uh, yeah, I, we don't really know much about it, but it, it sounds uh, sounds I like a lot a of fun. I have a feeling based on what what I've seen him talking about. I believe it's something like. You know, you use you use Svelte to just basically render page like SSR, but then you don't do the hydration step, or you do only as much hydration as you actually need. I think it's something along those lines, but I could be yeah. completely wrong. But I know there's a notion of, of doing that. Yeah, there's a there's a part of part about partial hydration in there. So yeah. uh, I can I can clarify a little bit. So first of all, if anyone is listening to this, by the time you hear this, we should have published the, the full schedule of talks. Uh, yep. So you should be able to see the descriptions and titles so you can follow along uh, with us. And, and we're not necessarily talking in chronological order because we haven't figured it out yet. And then second of all, I think 
what Fred is talking about. Actually, he's hinted at on his uh, Twitter channel. So uh, it's basically his new build system called Astro that is yeah. uh, paired together with uh, Svelte and has a little bit of similarity with Elder.js as well. So really partial hydration. Um, you only hydrate the interactive parts of your site and the rest is just HTML. And uh, he's also exploring uh, you know, client-side rendering, full static site ge generation, the whole spectrum. So it could be interesting. Yeah, it will be interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be gonna be fun. All right, and then we have this is another interesting one, like a interactive data science widgets with Svelte and Jupiter. That's a new combination of things I Jupiter didn't expect to see. Yeah, that's very popular, isn't it? Yeah, this is by Alex Cabrera. He's a PhD student at Carnegie Mellon University, I think. Yeah, another lightning talk. Yeah. And, uh, and something something we wanted to focus on for this one, I think, uh, was that the data science community just loves felt. Because <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think we just don't get in the way of D3. That's that's the main job of uh, Svelte compared to React. <laughs> uh, and uh, we don't need like five different talks on how to integrate Svelte with, uh, sorry, your your framework with uh, D3. It just just works. And then the other, the other really cool angle, of course, is that notebooks are a big trend in data science. And Jupyter is pretty big, right? Yeah. When I learned Python, that was the default programming environment. I didn't use an IDE. I just used notebooks. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So a bit like a REPL then, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. The, the idea is literate programming. So you run the code in cells, and then you see the output of the code next to, next to the code. And you can obviously okay. also comment the code. So it's like this full document that you can read from start to finish. Uh, it's got a narrative. It's got the the, the graphs and the the table output that you that you're running, and you can run you can run the document uh, and execute code. Okay. Um, so it's it's pretty advanced, um, and it hasn't really reached JavaScript land. But uh, Mike Bostock, who created D three, uh, has created Observable HQ, which is uh, essentially Jupyter for JavaScript. Um, even though Jupyter itself runs JavaScript. It doesn't do it the Mike Bostock way, so he made a startup to <laughs> do his own thing, um, and uh, you know he's he's got some pretty cool people working on it, uh, like Anjana Vakil. Uh, so definitely check out Observable as well. Cool. And I, I'm really excited about the this next one. It's a, it's called uh, Svelte can compile and so can you, and that's a that title doesn't really tell you much, but it's about <laughs> doing internationalization at the compile time rather than doing it later and uh it's uh so so this guy i think he's from let's see here from he's from a spanish-speaking country i don't remember which one but yeah so i think he's going to talk about basically how how they're translating using the compile uh, some kind of compiler or some preprocessor maybe we'll see and you say translating as in like it's basically internationalization is that correct or yeah yeah Okay, that's very interesting because that's quite a hot topic, I think, in in Svelteland. Um Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah cool. I, I I liked. I would like to have a default um, Svelte documentation tool that builds in internationalization from the start, so we don't have to worry yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weak point of the Svelte docs, and yeah. it'd be nice maybe to have better. There, maybe this is the way forward. Maybe this yeah. is it. Maybe there is a. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the uh, the Svelte API that's been worked on. No. API.svelte.dev. No, so nope. the, so so it's like a. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's like an API for handling gists, I think, and uh, and did the docs as well. I think it's built on Cloudflare Workers, if I remember correctly. 
Yes. Oh, well, Cloudflare. It would be right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> this, well, is, yeah, this is I mean, thing. Now, now that Luke is a uh, Devro, oh, yes. there, it's, it's, it's bound to happen. <laughs> yeah, right? this is this is from what I understand. There's something along the lines of we because when we currently build the docs, we just kind of pull and mark down from various places and and uh, and turn that into pages and then publish those pages. And I think it's all a bit hard to work with and, and kind of. Uh, a mess of Git modules, which I mean, I don't know if you ever use Git modules, but they they're just terrible. They just don't work. <laughs> I really don't like Git so much. Else. So yeah, um, so I this API dots felt that dev will fix all of that sort of sort of stuff. Nice. Maybe yeah. you can maybe you can also bring in the uh, who's using Svelte into that API as well. <gasps> yeah. Yes. So we can turn off the community repo. Oh I think we be, still that would we, be very cool. We still get some <laughs> weird like PRs for stuff there <laughs> it's not weird i mean if you if you want to promote their their organization and and uh, show their yeah. logos i think we should uh it's easy it's just, it's just a few yeah. fields yeah. um i just don't like it when some people mark themselves as i think we have, we have a few for like you know notable organizations you know like famous companies like apple and stuff like that and then they, they send in their own company and then they market themselves as notable <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have, to, I have to go like. Ah, ah, let's take this. I out. don't know about that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's not it's it's obvious why they would do that though. Like, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, everyone's notable. Really, it's not so much about notable. It's just that obviously, um, it's people who are coming stem. fresh, yeah. they want to see the the big names that use it to give them confidence that you know it's something that's maintained and active and and kind of around. So yeah, yeah. but um. Yeah, it's I think, not. It's not. I guess about notoriety as much. I, I think it's. It, you can kind of draw a parallel to the uh, like. Uh, there was a time in in when people you like used the like tags for emails, and and you could add like important or super important, and everyone oh, yeah. just defaults to like super important because every everyone's email is super important. This is a real salesperson <laughs> tactic. Um, they'll just type re in front of their title, yeah. so to oh, pretend that you already have talked wow. to them before. That infuriates me. That really, I mean, that, <laughs> that really makes me not want to use your product when you email with RE in the subject because yeah. I have not been involved in this conversation. I, I don't think it's reason. that popular because it, it backfires so much. Well, it, but it does. It does happen. I do see them, and I think that's just really irritating. <laughs> and, and I just delete email. Um, but but it, yeah, it's it's another one of those things. It's you know you ask you ask a stakeholder of a product what's the highest priority thing, and it's like it's all high priority. Well, it's all high priority. Then nothing's high priority, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's the Z index problem or the syndrome from The Incredibles problem. Um, yeah. <laughs> what? What's that? Z index is terrible. Syndrome for in- Incredibles. If everyone's special, then nobody is. Oh, no. Okay. okay. This is a <laughs> meme, guys. Guys, this is a uh, meme. I need. I need. I to, have not seen that meme. I have to be. I have to be. You know. Yeah. I need, I need to shape up on my uh, my meme uh, meme game. <laughs> Right. But yeah, Next the one? Z index problem. That's terrible. That's just a terrible <laughs> problem. Drive me nuts. What's the next one? The next one. The next one is uh, zwoosh. Yeah, shabam. Exploding head emoji. Whimsy <laughs> in motion. <laughs> sound like a screen reader right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was the point. <laughs> yeah, so this is by... Uh, you guys probably remember the uh, floating head guy. Floating head last... guy. Yeah, so this, uh, this is by course. the same guy. It's Ron um, Al. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so so uh, I, obviously he's one of the the, the most interesting uh, <laughs> sort of quirky characters, I guess, uh, from from our from our speaker history. And uh, yeah, very very glad to see him back. 
Yeah, I don't. I, so, I mean, it, it's it, all I know is it's about whimsy. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that that title, that title, especially since I don't didn't really know whimsy was a thing, it gives you nothing at all about the talk. But actually, I think that's probably the intention. It 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 definitely is. <laughs> it's a, so I can give a bit of history. Uh, sure. Josh Como has been giving talks on whimsy for the past like two three years, which is a little bit like of silliness. Um, but in a, done in a tasteful way, and to me, that's what that's what appeals to me about this talk. Which is, uh, I think Josh and Ron both share this idea that you can use animation and use these advanced features in a tasteful way to bring joy to to the user, but not annoy them with like, oh, look at how awesome my animation skills are, right? Like, I think a lot of times when people show off animations, they seem very inaccessible. Like, especially that's how it seems to me. Like, I, I look at someone like like Sarah Drasner's work, and I'm like, I will never be on that level right now the, the way that she animates like a map marker to you know using svg it's just it's really cool i'll never do it okay. <laughs> so so, yeah, so something something that's a little bit more reachable and i think josh is is i mean and she she does she does a lot of courses and, and i should probably uh, put more effort into it <laughs> but uh josh josh and uh ron i think i think the, the word whimsy to me means like, like a lighter touch approach to animation yeah so uh, he says in the in the notes here that it's uh, to be decided whether whether he's going to show uh, uh, a neck and a torso. So maybe maybe the return of a floating head. That well, I guess we'll see. <laughs> I think he can pay more to see more of him. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next up, we have the declarative data visualization, creating a bar chart. Rate. So this is by Amelia Wattenberger and Russell Goldenberg. So it's a it's a uh, data visualization talk. Again, it's a great fit for Svelte. I mean, the the stuff that the stuff that they do is just incredible. So I mean, this is going to be a visual a visual spectacle, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Love love the the uh, visual talks. Great. Yeah, yeah. and um, to to be clear for those who don't know, they they both worked. Uh, together at putting.cool. Um, and putting is, is very well known for their data storytelling. I'm not sure if there's a specific piece they're going to talk about here. I think they're just going to talk about some interesting techniques. Uh, yeah. Amelia has published uh, Svelte.recipes, I think, which is her repo of um, recipes that she uses all the time. Uh, and that's it's it's beautifully explained, just like everything that she does. And I think now she works at um, GitHub as a staff engineer some some kind of high level position so we have someone in github advocating for svelte and that's pretty cool that is cool that is cool i think github have been traditionally very very much build their own stuff from scratch every time as well so it'll be interesting to know how that build how from that works out build from scratch with svelte well exactly yeah maybe maybe well because yeah. you know they, they they sort of started off building their ui using a, a series of cues to render various bits and bobs and and do it all manually and that you know that's kind of, kind of a common practice now and sort of they call it like i don't know island front ends and stuff like that but they were doing it all themselves before that sort of was even a thing so it's interesting to see them yeah you know, i guess it has to start on. start somewhere these, yeah these exactly they Someone's got to invent it, and then and then you know becomes a thing. So yeah, okay. Anyone want to pick the next one? Okay, I'll go. Uh, so is this? Uh, I love this title, Design Engineering, but it's the N yeah. with the N. Yeah, 
uh, for Spanish speakers. And in the subtitle is Writing and Design System in Spanish for a Team in the Mexican Cultural Public Sector. So this one's pretty similar to the Norwegian, uh, is it a Norwegian talk? Um, yep. But in Spanish and in Mexico and for the public sector. So again, I, I really like to hear about these kinds of use cases and they, they put a lot of effort into the description. I was just like, okay, wow, this is a lot. Uh, yep, I like this talk. <laughs> yep, it's gonna be yeah. interesting to see. And it's another it's another kind of internationalization thing, which is which is definitely a good a good thing. It's a definitely you know a different language based thing, which is something I like to see how people are addressing this. Um, and also a Svelte design system. Like in in um, they, they said it's not a hundred percent release ready, but you know they're talking publicly about it. Probably it's it's pretty close. And I think people are very interested in building design systems. I think Svelte's a really good basis to build it with. And I think it's definitely. a lot of design systems talk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Next up, reactive forms with Svelte. So I guess this is right up my alley. I did yeah. the on the first. Uh, uh, let's see here. So yeah, I uh, I did my first talk at the Svelte Society Day on on a Svelte form library thing, which sadly hasn't been touched in, in forever. So there's that. But this uh, this guy seems to have uh, he's released the uh, something called Formula. Um, and it's about, yeah, uh, forms in Svelte. It's a f form library for Svelte. So yeah, I mean, forms are, forms are obviously not the most glamorous thing in the world to talk about. So it should be interesting to see a talk that does that well. But it's such a common use case to to have to want to have reactive forms. It's it's something that we do, especially every every single day, and it's and it's quite painful. You know, you have to spend a lot of time refining it and, and validation, cross cross field validation, all that kind of stuff is very complex. So should be an interesting, you know, it's an interesting talk and it should be something that's useful to a lot of people. So I think there's a lot of value in that talk. Yeah. So this is a talk by Tane Piper. Is I, I have no idea if that's how you pronounce it, but I yeah. think so. So that's going to be nice. Cool. Next one. Cool. Um, so the next yeah. one, I'm going to read Go this ahead. one out because I haven't read one yet. I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is Svelte Node GUI and how to build a custom Svelte renderer. Um, so this is a guy called Jamie Birch who was on our podcast, uh, I don't know how many weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I think. Yeah, that, that um, episode hasn't actually gone out yet. It's okay, be... well, so... Wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's so a future... Put it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was, he was so good. I was, I was very excited about it, yeah. 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 It's well, going to go out. You know, it looks like his talk at Svelte might come out before the podcast, so that'll be interesting, but... Um, but cool, yeah. So, so basically, yeah, he's uh, one of those guys who's just incredibly smart, but also he aligns with a lot of my kind of views on things about you know open source software and Linux and all that kind of stuff. And um, so, yeah, so this this should be interesting because it's taking Svelte into something more native rather than uh, a purely web based solution, which is an interesting new avenue. Well, not a new avenue, but with no GUI, it's quite an interesting avenue because he sort of translates it all to Qt. So. Yeah, not the usual Electron app. Very interesting. Yeah, it's going to be nice. Uh, I will also mention that since we had the podcast, uh, Jamie also launched uh, Svelte No GUI publicly because it, it wasn't public when we interviewed him. Uh, so he launched it on Hacker News and it was one of the most upvoted um, Svelte oh, projects, right. I yeah. think, uh, in, well, I think since Svelte. So for some reason, people were very interested in, in I guess, Electron alternatives and, and just faster, smaller UIs. 
which is something that Jamie is clearly very passionate about, and I think all of us are, in- are passionate about here. So you can check out the Hacker News launch as well if you're interested in Svelte No GUI. Right. Um, so this this uh, talk that we're going to talk about next is uh, testing Svelte with Jest, validating your components quickly. And this is one of those talks that I think it's nice to have. There are too many resources about testing in Svelte general there so it's gonna be nice yeah yeah uh, I we mean, had we, we had some we had some criticisms i think from svelte critics i guess <laughs> <laughs> not the best phrase of words uh, basically saying that you know we because we don't have that much documentation on svelte testing um we are not a serious framework and that's a partially a reflection of uh just the, re- the reality that um rich doesn't do much testing for his work um well automated testing um but but also I think there are just a number of approaches and we haven't really landed on something. So featuring something in Svelte Summit I think was very important to us. Yeah, I think I think also you know there's there's a huge notion within the Svelte maintainers to not be too opinionated about something. People should be able to test using whatever they want. You know everything should work with it and and it should work that way. So if you start publishing like oh well you know Jest is our preferred solution or or testing libraries our preferred solution you're leading people automatically into thinking that's kind of like a blessed answer to testing. And we don't really want to have that. We want to keep it sort of open-ended because not everyone likes Jest, not everyone likes testing library, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. It's kind of a fine line between not encouraging people down a certain path and, and also, you know, providing the resources people need if they want to, um, you know, to, to test stuff basically. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not really much a fan of of Jest, honestly. I, I prefer uh, Uvu. Oh yeah. We talked about we talked about it with with Luke. It's his library. It's very nice. All right. And it's a lot more lightweight than than Jest and a lot less opinionated. You know, Jest was built basically yep. around React, and 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 now it's been sort of ported to other things. So it's not yeah, it's like like it doesn't have mocking built in like Jest, for example, right? So you have to yeah. to bring your own. It has it has a mocking library with it. I just don't know how how well that is for the front end right now because um, I think it was a community driven effort to add add a mocking library to. Oh, to I see. I've I've just been using this one called uh, I think it's called Snoop. Okay. It's it's, it's funny because it has uh, Snoop Dogg with, with the <laughs> like the the circling hand meme thing on on the GitHub page. It's easy to, to remember. <laughs> Funny. Okay, untangling composition and higher order components. This could be fun, or sorry, this will be fun. Could be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this uh, this is talk about yeah how you how you compose different different things, components, other. Yeah, I feel like this is the only co- composition talk that we got, and to me, it's hard to do well. So I, I want to see the, <laughs> we want to see this. Yeah. I haven't seen the talk yet. But to me, the appeal of this talk is that it shows off some, I guess, lesser discussed APIs, including slots and svelte component, which is a uh, API that I have never used. But I think it's a way to dynamically select the component. Is, yep. that, is that right? Uh, that's correct. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually currently building a, uh, like a, I'm implementing the, do you know the Spectrum design system from Adobe? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm currently implementing like a tree, the tree view component there, and so I have to like compose all these, like the actual tree component with the like the menu or or the items in there, and then have it like, and I wanted, and then I want to add like drag and drop to it, and it's it's getting very complicated very quickly because of 
yeah, like I want it to be like a very nicely easy, very nice, easy API for, for, for the consumers. Right. But yeah, so, so I'm looking forward to this talk. Maybe this will help me figure this stuff out. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Cool. Okay. Oh, I can, I, I can pick the next one. So the next one is called building the next generation of low code with felt. Ooh, a deep dive into buddy base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is, what is buddy base? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. No. Uh, so, so, so I, I work there. So I, I, I know what it is. It's a, it's a low code. Are you, are you officially full-time now? Yes. Yes. Ooh. Well, <laughs> so if, yeah, you're, you're a contractor and then, and then I think they're, uh, yeah, maybe you should give some context. Yeah, so so I I started working with BuddyBase like I think it must have been like a year ago, a bit more. Yeah, just over a year um, as a part time contractor, and then I went full time. I'd say like a month ago. I was gonna. So it's it's been a lot of fun. So we're building this low code tool with yeah. It's I mean it's it's a lot of Svelte, so that's nice. That's cool. Kind of why why I wanted to to start working with them. So what can we expect from this talk then? Well, so I think you can expect like how we use Svelte in the in the actual so so let's see. So we have a couple of different components. So we have a server component, a backend component, and we have front end component. And obviously the backend isn't built in, in Svelte, but the the builder itself and all the applications that it generate are Svelte applications. So we'll see kind of how, how that that's made to work. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um for for those familiar with the low code space, um, BuddyBase is basically an open source retool in the sense that it directly connects to, connects to the data sources that you have, and and it, it lets you do, use a drag and drop approach to spin up uh, a site or like an interactive uh, app for for internal usage. Basically, uh, I think the reason for me and, and it, it took me a long while to figure out like what what's this what's this focus on internal usage? It's basically that you don't really care about the look and feel like. Uh, as much as if it's just for internal tools, like for salespeople, for marketers, whatever. And you're just building an access, uh, like a view layer or like a simple CRUD layer into your uh, backend. The tricky part is to do this without expending internal engineering time, which uh, I've actually done in a, in a, yeah. at a previous company. So uh, this is a, a massive space. Retool is a is a unicorn company already. And uh, I, always, I always think that, you know, it's, it's cool to, to see people build local tools because uh, that means that you're your coding actually enables other people to create apps who don't necessarily code at all. Yeah. So we started out, I think, focusing more on the on the no code side of things. But that's by doing that, we also get a lot of people that that have like literally zero experience building stuff. So at the moment, we're we're focusing on on low code, which is more geared towards developers, but have them be able to build stuff really quickly. Because you'll still have to like, you'll you'll have to model your data and stuff like that, and you're you're not gonna have like people who have no experience doing that be able to do that quickly and easily. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's it's a it's a nice project. One of our catchphrases is uh, "simple by default." So this goes back to like you you don't really you don't really want to have to care about the looks too much, but if you want to, you can you can customize it. A bit. All right. Sweet. Is that is that it? That's it. But then that's we the rundown, yeah. yeah, that's the rundown of, of the talks. But then we also have uh, some other things that are going to happen at the event. So we have a quiz planned um, where participants are going to be able to 
answer questions. I haven't seen the questions, but it's going to be interesting. I'm going to participate <laughs> in the question in in the quiz. So I encourage you guys to join, and uh, it's going to be fun. And we also we're also going to try the this new Discord feature. I don't know what it's called, Sp speaker platform. But yeah, what is it called? It's like it's I don't know. It's like called Stage Rooms or something or Stage Channels. Stage I don't know. It's Discord's Clubhouse clone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's exactly what it is. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And then there's going to be a small after party. I guess we'll use Discord stage whatever it was called clubhouse yeah, version for that as well we'll see <laughs> yeah I, um, I think that's it and uh we have we have some sponsors as well so i uh, really appreciate that i think we i think we basically sold out of our of our spots yeah. um there, so, yeah. there are a bunch of sponsors i think buddy base is, is sponsoring yeah we have i don't i don't actually know don't have a, a full list but i'm just calling we're, we're announcing them on on the salt society twitter so filevine is is the most recent one that we announced it's the operating core for legal companies Cool. I guess they use Felt and they're hiring. Yeah. <laughs> so people hiring for Felt. Sounded like you yeah. said illegal companies then. <laughs> <laughs> then we have uh, Git, Gitpod, right? So uh, that's yes. the... So they, they provide like a like a workspace thing. I don't know how, how to describe it. It's like a remote workspace. Is that is that a good description? I guess we can, <laughs> we can actually just read their... Uh, their description spin up fresh automated dev environments for each task in the cloud in seconds ah yeah. okay yeah, yeah 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 and i think they they just uh migrated from sappert's felkit and they awesome. even op open sourced it i think that's awesome. nice very cool all right any anything else we want to oh it, the event starts at 2 2 p.m london time and we're going to have a more detailed uh, so that is that is what 1 p.m in uh utc right yeah I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to add some, some, some more detailed, uh, detailed Singapore stuff. Singapore time. Okay, for Day Google masses, Asia, is so complicated. 9 p.m. Singapore. That's not too bad. 9 p.m. Singapore. Yeah. That's not too bad. Okay. Uh, cool. All right. Uh, and and yeah, you can catch it on the, on the YouTube channel. Be sure to join the Discord and participate. Um, Get yeah. involved. Yeah, yeah. It, it's also it's an opportunity... We get we get big jumps in in you know people hearing boss felt when people make noise about it. Um, it's an opportunity to create a bunch of content so people can share it within the office and you know just realize that felt is a, a growing thing and and uh, people are getting a lot of joy out of it. So um, if you you know want to help out, uh, just spread the word. It's a free yeah. event. Yeah, exactly. It's free. Oh, uh, one thing to to mention is that uh, there are rumors. That there's also going to be a talk by Rich. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Rumors like uh, we talked about this yesterday or uh, two days ago, and Rich was like, "Yeah, I'll probably just." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not really the traditional um, meaning of a rumor, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's just like you know he'll probably like do a last minute sprint, but we can't like you know insist on him doing something but he's, he's going no. to do something <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so uh let's let's move on to to the unpopular opinion section oh uh, yeah anthony you got one i i don't have i mean I, that'd be ridiculous of course i've got unpopular opinions i think all of my opinions <laughs> are probably unpopular but um i don't have one kind of nicely polished and ready for for discussion so i'm going to actually abstain at this time and pretend that i agree with everything everyone does which is just, just not at all true <laughs> uh, 
Okay. <laughs> uh, Kev? No, I I uh, only have popular ones. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll tackle a quick one. Uh, and we'll, try, we'll try to keep this short. Uh, so this one is uh, again not not exactly mine, but uh, I just thought it very interesting to share, and and I do share some of the sympathies. So this is called. Uh, so so the context of this is that someone on Hacker News was very frustrated with their serverless developer experience. And they said, ask Hacker News, does anyone else find the AWS Lambda developer experience frustrating? I've been using AWS Lambda a bit recently, and uh, you know I, I can unit test bits of code just fine. But at some point, I always end up stuck in a slow feedback loop where I deploy the code, manually invoke it, go through the logs in CloudWatch, and, and then add a print statement and so on. So it seems like a very slow deploy, deploy process. And this guy who, re- who responded had a, just a fire take, which was basically, uh, you've discovered what many other people have. The cloud is the new timeshare mainframe. <laughs> oh, I, re- I read this comment. This, this work loop is incredibly inefficient and was replaced by development that happened entirely locally on a workstation. This dramatically tighten the edit compile debug loop down to seconds or at most minutes productivity skyrocketed and most enterprises shifted the majority of workload away from mainframes and now that uh, we we're moving a lot of development to the cloud a lot of it just by definition cannot be replicated on our local machines because we're just def- relying on particularly closed source cloud resources so the assertion here is that we lost something in the transition to cloud. Um, and, and I think that partially this is the story of serverless as well. And it's just a, a fact that even people from AWS were commenting like, yeah, you're, you're right, that like we can't replicate everything. There are solutions like AWS SAM, serverless stack, Netlify dev, begin sandbox. Um, but they're all emulations of a, of a real environment and not the real thing. That's not a controversial it's... opinion from my standpoint. That's a, a very <laughs> uncontroversial opinion. It's, in fact, I just big strong agree there, I think. <laughs> I think basically people are trying to sell you a lot of a lot of developers. And I definitely was on this train for a while that moving to the cloud is, is a clear win in terms of developer experience just because you, you manage less things. It's more of a managed experience for you. But they manage so much that you now don't have anything on your local machine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you, you, it, sometimes I have videos of myself uh, waiting for deployments for like 15 minutes to see a change and then realizing that something wasn't right and then I had to go fix it again. And that's way too long. So yeah, yeah, we yeah. have to we have to figure this out. Yeah. Orda from Microsoft and also from the TypeScript team has mentioned that Azure is working uh, on this and apparently has a really good local dev story. So people who are interested in fixing this should probably check out uh, what Azure is doing. Yeah. I wonder how you solve this like for... for like an industry-wide, like how do you get an industry-wide solution for this, right? Because all of these platforms are proprietary and they're all differ, they all differ, right? Yeah. So uh, so serverless containers is a is a thing that is spreading, it, which is kind of sounds like an oxymoron, but uh, that's what uh, AWS Fargate is, is doing. So it, as long as you can con- contain everything inside a container, <laughs> sorry, that's, that's a poor choice of words, but um, <laughs> the, the container is sort of the, the most well-tested unit of, like reproducibility, essentially. And a lot of extraction leak comes from like, okay, not enough memory. Like you have a lot of memory on your on your machine, but then when you deploy, you're you're deploying to like a limited instance and you run out of memory mm. on, on in production. Like, oh, okay, who who knew, right? It's because your your testing environment is different from your from your production environment. Uh, same thing for like pre-installed binaries or like this one's harder to overcome, but like now it's very relevant, your processor version. Uh, like you know whether it's a Mac, <laughs> it's Intel or ARM. All oh, right. So Docker is not going to overcome that, but uh, essentially, if you if you can run a container, that's that's a nice uh, unit of delivery as well. So I think that's the solution that people are talking about. But I don't 
ultimately there, there is a discrepancy you can't avoid it yeah it's going to be interesting to see where, where we'll end up it's it yeah. kind of feels like a pendulum that just swings back and forth like goes from mm. like everything on the server to everything on the client everything on the server like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, so there, there's another blog post that was circulating within my office today, uh, uh, which is like uh, sort of serverless infrastructure 2.0. Again, another hacker news post, but I thought it was a really good read on like what truly serverless means. Because the whole problem with this uh, waiting to deploy thing, like cloud mm. would work if we did not have to wait for it to deploy, if it was just available. If it mm. just, and uh, that's what cloud should be. And uh, we're, we're getting there very, very slowly. So it's only 10 years old. Uh, imagine another 20, 30 years on this thing. Uh, we'll probably figure it out. Yeah, cool. All right, picks then. Do you guys have picks. one? I can go first. Yeah, good. All right. Yeah, happy to go first. Or you want to go first? Yeah, I can. I can go. Uh, so I have the Neuralink Mind Pong Monkey. Have you seen this? No. Uh, so this, so yeah, go ahead. No, Neuralink is uh, is an is another Elon Musk venture, where he basically wants to do Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven in. Uh, but a nicer version, I guess. Uh, so, so they're they're making like I don't know exactly how it works, obviously, but it's they're doing like interfaces to the brain. They implant these, and then they connect it to to some device. And so this video showcases like a monkey that's playing pong just with his mind, which is amazing. So he's moving the one of the uh, platforms just up and down to to like yeah. Just playing pong. I didn't that even is... know a monkey could play pong, but <laughs> yeah. with just his mind, that, that's even more cool. That make that's a, that's a bit of a game changer. Isn't it? I mean, I mean, Elon Musk, right? He's the, he's the king of the game changers, but that yeah. is a game changer. <laughs> I think for people well, with disabilities, it, it's amazing. If you if you talk if you listen to the the skeptics, which they always are, uh, yes. they, they they said that again. He's 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 doing his overpromise and underdeliver thing, and uh, what he's done so far isn't materially better than what existing research has done. Um, and just because it's Elon, people are paying more focus to it. But um, oh, yeah. we've, we've, yeah. inserted, we've inserted, inserted electrodes into the brain before. Yes. But still, uh, yeah, he has I, a big vision. I, th I think he, he, he has a very, very, like, he's very good at bringing stuff to market. Yeah. Like taking it from the research stage or like doing the actual engineering. I think well, that's his... He's very good at bringing it into the mind, the present mind of people, right? That's that's the most important thing. Literally, you know, like he didn't invent the electric car. We, yeah, well, we had we had electric cars in in 1950, right? I think it, I can't remember who did it. I think it was I think it was what's that big GM? I think it was GM had an electric car, and it was you know hugely impractical, but it it worked and it drove around the city, and people were like wowed by it because it was all electric. But it, you know, we then just stalled on that for like what I don't know, 60, 70 years, and then suddenly like. Elon makes Tesla and Tada, like everyone's suddenly making electric cars, everyone's <laughs> copying, everyone's cloning it. If that's his only skill and his achievement, then that's a great skill and achievement, right? It is to bring it into the really? forefront of people's consciousness. Yeah. And I think that's a really valuable I, thing. I, I think I read somewhere that that actually like the, the actual first car prototypes were electric. Uh, like like first... way back in like like the eight like late eighteen hundreds. Really? Yeah, yeah. I might, yeah, I might be misremembering. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Shall I go? Go ahead. Yeah. So, so my pick, and it's it's kind of relating to the to the cryptocurrency theme we discussed before. As you might know, I'm quite quite into cryptocurrency. I've been for a while. So, people's biggest complaint with cryptocurrencies is volatility, making it no no good as a currency, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. However, 
you can actually use that volatility to make some money with a thing called arbitrage, which happened in the stock markets for years, basically buying low and selling high over and over. And one of my now favorite um, cryptocurrency platforms called KuCoin has created bots. So one click to set up arbitrage bots. So you can basically take any token pair you want, say dollars, uh, I'm, do I'm doing dollars and Telcoin right now. Telcoin being another one of my favorite cryptocurrency projects. And it basically will give you three three questions like how many how many pots do you want? How many grids it calls them? How much money do you want to put in? And what's the lowest and highest you want to trade at? And it will then basically divide your tokens up by those by those grids. And as the price fluctuates, as it enters one of those grids, it either buys or sells accordingly. So as it's fluctuating, you're building up this pot of dollars on the side. Um, depends on what you're trading, depends on what you're making. But I, I put some uh, a Telcoin bot in last weekend um, and within an hour, I'd gained $300. Right, it's it's actually pretty a pretty good way to make money if your if your tokens are volatile enough. You know, it's it's they've got copy trades as well, so you can copy other people's bots. But a lot of people are just relying on the token mooning anyway. But if you've got a token that's just sort of sitting there up and down, up and down, up and down, you can just make passive income from that. You can run a bunch of bots, yeah. very low trading fees, and and ta-da! So it's uh, a great way to actually make use of probably one of cryptocurrency's current uh, shortcomings. So, yeah, I'm sure, uh, sure yeah. there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of yeah, like arbitrage opportunities the all over. Absolutely. What's the catch? What's the catch? Yeah, I mean, the, the catch the catch is, is it depends on like you know it's, it's up to you how you do this. So if you were to put say uh, say you'd be doing it with Doge, right? Say you'd put it in Doge, and Doge has now gone through the roof. Ridiculous token, but it's gone through the roof. Your bot will sell all your tokens as it moons, right? So you'll end up at the top of your range with no holding in Doge. So if it carries on mooning, you won't be in that token. You won't get any profits yeah. from that. So you have to keep your eyes, you know, on, on you know, have your usual kind of alerts. Likewise, if your token goes to the floor, great, you'll probably make some money on, on the way down as it goes to the floor. But as it hits the bottom of your range, you'll end up holding loads of this token and it just keeps plummeting and plummeting and plummeting. So mm. it, yeah. you, you need to be conscious. But apart from that, you know, shortfalls, there, are, there really aren't very many. Um, you know, it's it's just like sounds risky. In... <laughs> well, it, it, see that I, I don't know. It's 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 basically I've, I've been doing it for a while now, and it's pretty good fun. But um, it's just taking opportunity of something that you know you can do. People have been doing for years, right? Buy 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 low, sell high, and um, but it's automating it with with you know the current um, technological inventions you know bot, bots and and APIs right. and real time trading. It's it's pretty cool. So yeah. Yeah, uh, seems too, my... too risky for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also not putting any. <laughs> um, I'll, 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 you know, be be my. Uh, I put on my finance hat here and say that uh, sure. arbitrage technically has a risk-free element to it. So yes. you need to be able to make profits risk-free, and you're taking risk here. And the risk is specifically that your mean reversion trade. You're betting on things going back to normal in some sense of the word. Your yes. mean reversion trade. That's what you make money from. And every time there's a regime change, um, like uh, uh, what Doge did this week um, <laughs> or something cratering to the floor, then that is not mean reversion and, and you lose money on that. So you're picking up pennies in front of a steamroller essentially there. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's the, that's the in, in a lot of ways, I think mean, that's high sharp ratio. You're selling an option. So you're selling volatility by, you're, you're, you know, you're gaining from the, from small volatility, but you're selling the wings uh, from, yes. from high volatility events. Uh, this, so is this coming? Cause I mean, cause I'm, I'm, I don't have a financial background. Tell me it's something here. Is this the same risk that you take if you were just, say, purchasing a token and holding it? 
Oh no, absolutely not. It's a different type of risk. Uh, right. You're okay. you're synthetically. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I don't know how much to, to get into here, but you're, <laughs> you're selling it. the wings and buying the the uh, local volatility, and that's one way to to benefit from it. But it's absolutely not arbitrage. Um, it's just a different okay. form of risk taking. Yeah. So arbitrage is that is that more like you you would uh, buy you've locked two, in. two diff two different exchanges for yes. example. You have buy... to lock it in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, they call it arbitrage, but it didn't strike me as arbitrage because when I've done arbitrage before, it's across two exchanges. Um, so yep. I don't, I don't know what they. That's they what call I thought it. you were going to say. Yeah, this is this is different. This is different from what I expected. Yeah, this is um, they, they call it a volatility killer bot basically, but it's it's for some reason they call it arbitrage as well. I'm not sure why why they call it yeah. that. But well, a favorite quote of mine from Nassim Taleb, I think, uh, is that volatility cannot be created or destroyed. Uh, you're you're just shifting it around. So what you're doing is you're the, the more people deploy this bot, uh, the more bots will be pushing things towards the center, which is great, uh, until things don't work. And then everyone uh, removes their bots. So liquidity sure. suddenly disappears. That maximizes the volatility at the at the wings. So that's that's the origin panel phrase that uh, volatility cannot be created or destroyed. Interesting. <laughs> Scary. And on that note. Uh, <laughs> I, I have, I have, one, I have oh. one quick one. Uh, just this is this is not a new pick for me, but I keep picking it uh, once a year it seems, and everyone's just very surprised by it. Uh, it's called Empty States. I, have I picked this before? I don't actually remember, but <laughs> not, not on Spot Radio, I think. <laughs> okay, it's Empty States. It's a uh, the the URL is emptystat.es. Um, just try to spell one out one of the, those new the, new the uh, new cool <laughs> domains. <laughs> Yeah, um, and it's a reminder to it's it's some inspiration on what you can do with your empty states because the developers always leave their empty states empty, right? When your when your app starts up, it you have probably have a list somewhere and it's empty, right? And you you just like you just show nothing or you show like some like you know there's nothing here, but you could actually show a nice picture, a nice like here's what you should do. You link them to a guide, and this is often what your users see the first time they they land on your app. So you should probably try to make it inviting. So Webflow recently had an example where they had an empty state in their dashboard. When you first create a Webflow account, it's empty and there's no projects. And it, and they actually have a face here looking at the new project button and say, hum, that new project button must be important. It's like it's a hit <laughs> to, to where you should go to next. And I, I, I like this idea a lot. So I want to make sure people know about it. This looks, uh, this looks really uh, nice. Yeah. The empty state site. This is almost something that SSR can help with as well, right? Because you know your your empty state, one of user first visits is is a thing that's been rendered by the server. And if you well, your... then you have like a flash of empty state. <laughs> well, that's what I meant. I don't think you do because you you've rend you've done data fetching on the server. Okay, yeah. And then uh, if, know, if that's you... the case, then yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So that's uh, that's this uh, week's episode, and uh, we'll. Uh, See you all on Svelte Summit. Cool. All right. Yeah. This is fun. See ya. Bye. See ya.